This is Something to Gnaw On, a short podcast for the Christian with a short attention span or just short on time, designed to give you something to mentally or spiritually chew on throughout your day, a Bible study in bite-sized form, if you will. This episode is Three Stories from Dad. One of the most popular episodes was episode 19, Earnest and Urgent Prayer, a couple of stories on answered prayer in which I took a few stories that my dad had written down from the early years of their ministry. My mom and dad have been in ministry since the late 60s or early 70s. There was a small stretch of time in the 80s where dad was between pastorates, but he managed to find places to teach. And now that he's retired from pastoring, he spends his time mentoring young pastors and filling in wherever necessary. So I guess you could say he really hasn't retired. He's just ministering in a different capacity. Over the years, Mom and Dad have witnessed God do some awesome things, miraculous things, if you will. And a few years back, Dad began to write them down. And it's my honor to share three of these stories with you today. The following stories take place in a little town called Rainier, Oregon. I remember it as a timber town on the Columbia River. There was a sawmill across the river, and freighters would pass on what seemed like a daily basis. Mom and Dad served as pastors from about 1973 to 1980. One of the last things I remember there was Mount St. Helens erupting. That'll leave a mark on your memory. You know that feeling when you wake up and there's a solid sheet of snow on the ground and everything's covered in white? Now imagine that snow is gray, gray ash, a nasty mess of dust and fine-grained dirt-like material, almost a powder-like substance. That was my first experience with having to wear a face mask. And every time I had to put one of those on during the COVID restrictions, it took me back to Rainier, 70 miles by road, and significantly less than that as the crow flies from Mount St. Helens. The following stories take place here in Rainier, Oregon. Story number one, Worm Theology. Quote, Fear not, Thou worm, Jacob. The words gripped my attention as I wrestled inwardly over an encounter that was to take place in just eight hours with my chief critics in the church. Upon arriving at our first pastorate, it was clear that this couple was unhappy we were there. They had a friend who they wanted to come as pastor. Animosity manifested itself in sneers, opposition, and verbal attacks against me, my wife, and children. To make matters worse, the husband was a board member. I dreaded board meetings and church meetings because he used them as opportunities to attack me. Further exacerbating matters was the fact that they were next-door neighbors. So, animosity not only assailed us on Sundays, but every day of the week, from just outside the doors and windows. Like some of you, I didn't like confrontation. The temptation was to ignore the problem, and perhaps it would work itself out somehow. It didn't. And now the problem had grown into a monster affecting the health of the church. Confrontation was now unavoidable. So I set aside time to prepare for the encounter. To prepare myself, I took the day of our scheduled meeting to fast and pray. I agonized in prayer, asking God to prepare their hearts to receive what I would say to them and to give me wisdom as to what to say and in the right spirit in which to say it. Praying and reading the Word alternately, I sought comfort and direction. 
At one point, I was reading the 41st chapter of Isaiah when my attention was arrested by God's word to his people, quote, Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, verse 14. With that in mind, I began to direct my prayers toward humbling myself before the Lord, calling to memory every shortcoming I could think of and confessing it to Jesus. Apparently, God felt I needed some help, so he sent my five-year-old son to teach me a lesson. Daddy, he yelled as he burst into the sanctuary where I was praying. Look what I found. I'm ashamed at my response. I ignored him, hoping he'd figure out Daddy was praying and couldn't be bothered while he was humbling himself. However, Jim was persistent. He extended his hand in front of my closed eyes and said, Look, Daddy. Opening my eyes, I saw before me a large earthworm squirming in his hands. I couldn't help it. I had to laugh. What a delightful sense of humor God has. And what a wonderful way of getting his point across quickly when we struggle to grasp things fully on our own. I understood God wasn't trying to humiliate me, but to assist me in humbling myself before him. This was not a matter of poor self-esteem, but of humility. Did the confrontation that evening result in a change of heart for my two critics? No, unfortunately. But it felt as though God had enabled me to speak the truth to them in love. My heart felt clean of any offense as I left their home, and the cloud of oppression I'd felt was gone. Not long thereafter, they found another church to attend, and health returned to our congregation. Story number two. Behold, I stand at the door. Door Door-to-door evangelism can be very rewarding, but sometimes it may leave you frustrated. I had one of those days where apathy and self-righteousness seemed to meet me at every door, especially at the last house I visited that day. The lady of the house told me how nice it was that I was a preacher and what a nice church we had and how nice she was too. For quite some time, she elaborated on her niceness, good deeds, and church involvement. She left me no opportunity to respond and simply dismissed me by wishing me a nice stay in town. How nice. Later that evening, I went downtown, a two-block area of shops and taverns. The church had scheduled a musical evangelistic team, so I took flyers with me to pass out to folks on the street. The problem was, there were no people on the street. They were all in the taverns, where they stayed until 2 a.m. So the only way to make contact was to go into the taverns with flyers. Now, I'd never been in a tavern before. I handed out flyers quickly and got out, hoping no church folk would see me. At one tavern, I placed a flyer on the cash register and went to the door to leave. As I pulled on the door handle, I noticed it resisted opening. Pulling it further, I was shocked to see a woman hanging on to the outside of the door handle, the same nice lady to whom I'd spoken earlier. The look on her face was one of shock. I don't know whether she was more shocked to see me in a tavern or shocked at my catching her going in. As it turns out, this nice lady had quite a history in the local bars. Story number three. Bathtub conversion. 
It had been a frustrating day of door-to-door calling. New to town, I wanted to meet my neighbors and invite them to church. While they welcomed me to their town and wished me well, their politeness included a note of, don't talk to me about religion. My last call, however, was different. I managed to get the words out, hi, I'm the new pastor down the street, when I was cut off by a middle-aged grandmother. She proceeded to lecture me about her church for the next 15 minutes. Then she dismissed me, and I went back to the parsonage, discouraged at my lack of success. The next Sunday morning, as I led worship, a young man about 20 years of age entered the sanctuary and found a seat. You couldn't miss his great big smile, and I couldn't wait to meet him after service. You don't know who I am, he said, but yesterday you came to my house. And my mother-in-law answered the door and gave you a bad time. I was in the bathtub, and I heard the whole thing. I was raised in a Christian home, but haven't been serving God. And when I heard you say you were the pastor down the street, I was convicted and gave my life to Jesus. And that's the end of Dad's stories for this episode. I trust you find encouragement in keeping your heart clean and staying humble before the Lord. Additionally, I trust you'll find encouragement in sharing your faith. Sometimes you see the fruit, sometimes you don't. But know that there's always something happening and always somebody listening, even if it's someone you don't see. As I wrap this up, I want to quickly encourage you with this thought from Exodus 17 to write your stories down, and to speak of what God has done in your life, especially to your kids and family members. These stories have spurred conversations with my kids about our family's spiritual heritage that are priceless. At the same time, I believe it's an exercise that everyone should take part in. Many times in Scripture, and especially in the stories of Joshua and Moses, the phrase, quote, as a memorial, end quote, is used. The idea being that God has done something, and there was to be a visual reminder of what had happened. And that visual reminder would spur children to ask, hey, what's this all about? And it would become a teaching moment, an opportunity to share their family heritage. In Exodus 17:14, Joshua has just defeated the Amalekites, a far superior army, in his first military endeavor while Moses sat upon the hill with the staff raised. And let me close this episode by reading God's instruction to Moses. Quote, Write down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And I like how the King James puts it too. Quote, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. So here's your homework assignment for the week. What has God done specifically in your life that you need to write down and recite in the ears of someone else? I trust this episode has given you something to gnaw on this week, as well as a little bit of homework. But until next week, God bless.